Good morning, Miss Yo. This morning's scripture is from Acts 12, 1 through 11, and then again, Acts 12, 18 through 24. The Apostle Luke writes, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw this, that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handed him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God, to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers <clears throat> bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. You can go ahead and have a seat. As I thought again about Herod being struck down and eaten by worms, I'm like, why did I choose this as a guest preacher to preach on this? But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, this, this passage has been on my heart, and um, I'm glad to share it with you today. 
For those who may not have heard uh, the beginning of the service, my, my name is Mark Peach, and I am um, one of the pastors of New City Salt Lake. It's a recent merger between City Pres, that I, a church that I planted, City Presbyterian, and New Song, and uh, we merged in October to plant uh, New City. Um, at New City, we've been, in, we've been in a sermon series in the book of Acts and um, looking at how the gospel goes forth, how the gospel goes forth by the power of the Holy Spirit to further the kingdom of God on earth. And today, I, I wanted to bring this chapter to our attention, this 12th chapter of Acts, but let me give you a summary of what has happened thus far in the story of Acts, the story of the early church. After Jesus is resurrected from the dead and prior to... Here, let's see. Is that better? Can you hear me better now? Uh, after Jesus is resurrected from the dead and prior to his ascension, he tells his disciples this, but you will be, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then comes the major event that we refer to as Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on people of all nations. By the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of people, God's people, they are being called to participate in God's plan to advance the gospel. God's plan for the furthering of the kingdom, that the world would be restored. And if you were to continue reading um, in this book, you would see that the plan cannot be stopped. The gospel is going forth by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going forth into the lives of people. It's going forth into new territories. And people are being invited to participate in what God's doing, to participate in this grand story that God is writing. But, the, but there is strong opposition to this plan. And what we see in chapter 12, like many places in Acts, is that this strong opposition to the gospel, and we, we see this strong opposition to the gospel and to God's plan. But God's plan is unstoppable. And we're going to see that here. Let me pray for us as we look further at this passage uh, that was read for us. Lord, I am grateful uh, for this opportunity to be here. And um, Lord, I know that many of us, we're coming from all different places in the city or in the valley. And we all come with, from places of all different kinds of circumstances, Lord. Some of us are, may feel sorrowful this morning. Some of us are maybe going through difficult times, times of confusion or disappointment. Others of us come and we're joyful and we're, we're feeling good about how things are going in our lives and the circumstances of our lives. But wherever we're at this morning, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you comfort us with your grace where we need to be comforted? And would you challenge us, Lord, to step out in faith where we need to be, step, where we need to be challenged to step out, Lord? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Use me in my weakness to communicate your word. Lord, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, I just heard uh, Imagine Dragons was, was here at Rice-Eccles Stadium, um, and I know this, this song goes back a few years, but, uh, and maybe you've heard it too much, but the song, um, their song, Whatever It Takes, um, the chorus goes like this, Whatever It Takes, because I love the adrenaline in my veins, I do whatever it takes, because I love how it feels when I break the chains, whatever it takes. Take me to the top, I'm ready for whatever it takes, because I love the adrenaline in my veins. I do what it takes. There is something in us as humans that loves to be at the top, to be known as the greatest. It gives us a rush. It gives us this, it's like adrenaline in our veins to accomplish something, to be at the top, to be, to, to be the greatest. Pride and power to be on top, to re receive all the accolades, to have everything centered on us uh, is alluring. It's attractive to us. Now, there's a lot of different aspects that I could point to in this passage, but what I want to focus on today, I want us to look at this, the, the pride and power to be on top and how it plays out in King Herod's life and with his plans. So I want to look at what is Herod's plan, what is God's plan, and what does this mean for us? Those are three questions I want to kind of frame our time in the Word around. First, what is God's plan, or what is Herod's plan? The passage begins really grim. Verse 1 says, about the time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James, the brother of John, was beheaded. Persecution for, for the early church was real. King Herod is seeking to kill followers of Jesus, and he is seeking to stop this movement for the sake of being on top for the sake of his own kingship. James is the first to die. And then we see next that Herod has Peter arrested. The verse continues and it says that Herod proceeded to arrest Peter. Once again, as a lot of places in the book of Acts, the church is on the ropes. Things are grim. Peter, their leader, the one representing the church, is now imprisoned opposition to God's plan to advance his glory and his kingdom has arisen. But it is here that we begin to see God's unstoppable plan. And what is that plan? We are told that while Peter is awaiting execution, while he is in chains, held captive between two soldiers, while the disciples are praying together for, their, for his release, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in his jail cell. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. He then is ushered out of prison, passing by guards and, and going free. See, God has a plan, and that plan is going to be accomplished in spite of opposition. The plan is unstoppable. But the opposition 
continues to come back. And we see what it is at the heart of the opposition here too. We are told that after Herod examined the officers who were, who were responsible for guarding Peter, and he was unsatisfied with their responses to how, why Peter was, uh, why he went free, Herod has all 16 of the guards executed. He is, he is opposed to this movement and will do whatever it takes to stop it, even have those who can't carry out his plan executed, killed, because they didn't do what he had planned. Next, we read that Herod went down to Caesarea, and we are introduced to a conflict and introduced to the cities of Tyre and Sidon. These are, these are coastal cities. And they were co these coastal cities were dependent upon farmland to, for their food to survive. And Herod, as the king, was in control over this land. And for, for reasons we don't know, Herod was angry with the people of these cities. And he denied them grain. He denied them food from the farmland. These cities would join forces to try to, to try to make peace with Herod. And he, and, and, and the, they would try to join forces to, to try to convince Herod to provide food for them. But we are then told that Herod took his seat on the throne without a care for these cities. He took his seat on the throne. He spoke to the crowd. And people began to praise Herod. And they shouted, this is a voice of God and not a man. People began to praise him, saying, this is a voice of God. But then we read in verse 23, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Herod took this opportunity to, to bask in the praise of others putting himself, in a sense, in the place of God. And God punished him for this. What Herod was doing was taking glory for himself, taking it all for himself, glory that didn't belong to him. In a sense, Herod was all about Herod. See, pride at its root is, is really self-worship. It is seeking independence from God. It robs God of his rightful place when we seek independence from him. But before we become too critical with Herod for thinking himself a god, let's consider the th some things about humanity as a whole and, and ourselves. All the way back at the beginning of the garden, at the beginning of the Bible, beginning of God's story in the Garden of Eden, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were called to be dependent upon God. But they were tempted toward independence. They were temp tempted to, um, to, to live life apart from God. And in a sense, they asserted themselves as a God, believing that they are capable in and, in and of themselves for life. And do you know, 
that this is the temptation of all of our hearts as human beings. It may not look as drastic as, as Herod, seeking all the praise and, and, and at, at whatever the cost is of people's lives, but we all want people to praise us, right? We all want, we all want people to give us our sense of worth rather than resting in the fact that we are already loved by God. We are already loved by God, and we can rest there rather than seek the praise of others. Furthermore, we are people that want our plans to be at the center. We want things to to go our way rather than to trust the plan of God, which is a plan for, for the flourishing of humans. So what happens when we get the praise of others? What happens when we get the praise of others? How do we respond? We, we can respond in a couple different ways. We can respond with um, humility or we can respond with pride. How do we respond when praises are heaped upon us? How would you respond in Herod's situation? We can respond with resisting what God is doing for the sake of ourselves, or we can participate in what He is doing and how He wants to work through us to become part of the furthering of His kingdom. Where in your life is God asking you to give up your own plan for the sake of participating in His plan? Where is He asking you that question? Listen, God will always thwart the plan that comes up against His. But it is not because he, He's a killjoy. It's not because He want, doesn't want us to have pleasant things, but because He knows what's best for us. And He loves us so much that He doesn't want, He won't allow anything to take over His plan because He knows what's best for us. And so we read, because of his refusal to repent by giving God his proper place of honor, Herod is struck down. Herod is struck down. Now, what does this mean for for us? Does it mean that somehow we find in and of ourselves uh, a way to humble ourselves and get with the program? If that was the case, that would be great, but but it's impossible Going back to Peter, Peter was, had no power in, him, in and of himself to set himself free. He had no power. It is the angel of the Lord who comes and wakes him and sets him free so that he can carry out his role in the plan of God. And just as Peter needs the angel of the Lord to intervene, to set him free, we all need the Spirit of God to intervene in our lives, to open our eyes, to see Jesus, to see Jesus, the true king, for who he is. And to see that the true king has come with a plan to save, to restore, to renew. And what would move us to begin to live with King Jesus and his plan at the center of our lives? What would move us toward that toward being humble before him, toward having Jesus at the center of our lives and his plan at the center of our lives. 
To get at that, let's, let's think for a moment of the contrast between Herod and King Jesus. Herod is grasping for power with his royal robes on, looking for all to notice him. King Jesus, the one who possesses all power and all authority, ultimately lays it down, coming in the form of a helpless baby, not to conquer, but to save the world. Herod withheld food from his enemies. Jesus suffered himself, stripped of everything, including his own dignity, in order to give eternal life to his enemies. Herod stole glory that was not his, but was struck down and judged. Jesus walked in humble obedience perfectly, was put to death, three days later rose again and rules now at the right hand of the Father. Herod refuses to repent, but God remains true to his character, judging injustice and opposing wickedness. So what is the good news that will stir our hearts toward him and toward finding ourselves in his plan? It is that for all who put our faith in Christ, we don't have to fear being struck down. Why? Because God struck down his own son in our place. The judgment for our sinful pride has been put upon Jesus on the cross. And this is good news. This is good news that Jesus saves sinners, prideful people who have sought our own glory, prideful people like myself. This is what leads us then to ask, who is receiving the glory in, in our lives? Are we seeking it for ourselves? Or are we seeking God's glory, giving thanks to him for, for who he is as the king who saves what motivates us? As I have contemplated uh, ministry over the last few years and have contemplated being on the mission field in the future here in Ireland, um, this is a question that I continue to wrestle with. What's, what's, what's motivating me? What's behind what, why I do the things that I do? Why I'm pursuing missions in Ireland. What motivates us? What motivates how we spend our resources and our time and our devotion? In what may, ways might God be exposing our pride? But God does something else here too. His plan is to propel His Word through His servants. We see this in verse 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. God is forever. His plan is forever. And his word is forever. God's plan to save his people and to restore all things is, is unstoppable. And God wants, to, wants us to be included in this. All of this should give us hope our hearts that without the Spirit, we'd be in opposition to Him too. God's plan is unstoppable, and God's plan includes His people, those of us who put our faith in Him. Let me get, begin to just wrap this up for us. About, about this chapter and about 
how opposition to God is futile, John Stott says this, the chapter opens with James dead, Peter in prison, Herod triumphing. It closes with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God triumphing. The world opposes God in vain. There is opposition to the word of God, to the gospel going forth, but nothing will stop it. It is multiplying in, the, in scope and impacting all those who hear and receive it by faith. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God, it stands forever. As my family and I enter the mission field, as Rebecca goes to Uganda, as you enter your mission field too, wherever you're at, wherever God has placed you, know that the eternal word of God is unstoppable. The servants of God go out. People are converted, set free, and the gospel goes forth to the ends of the earth. His plan is unstoppable. Will you join him in this plan, in what he is doing, in inviting us as participants who give glory to him and honor him and proclaim his word? To the world. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are grateful that your plan is good, that you're a good God who loves your people. And in the face of opposition to what you're doing, in the face of opposition to saving your people, to, to restoring the world, your gospel goes forth and changes lives. And we pray, God, that we would be people who Rest in the reality that you are God alone, that you are the God who saves, and that um, your plan's unstoppable. Help us to rest there. Help us to go out and to proclaim you to the world. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.